welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. Really looking forward to launching into this True North series. And um, I probably just need to take a moment because I discovered this week, or well, really was reminded this week that sometimes we church leaders and people, you know, the old days we were called clergy, uh, then we were called pastors. Now we get called all sorts of things, uh, which we try and just shut out, of, shut out of our brain. But sometimes we use terminology that's common to us in leadership and in ministry, but not common to the congregation. And so the True North series for us is, uh, and I love the way Kama and others have just mentioned it so far this morning, it's, it's staying true to what God has called us to when you're out in the bush and you have a compass, you want to find true north because that coordinate gives you your bearings so you can know where you're going. And often in church life, we lose our coordinates. And so for us, the true north is Christ and the vision that He gave us. And that vision that He gave us 20 years ago, almost to the day, was to be a Bible-believing, people-empowering, and soul-winning church. Today it's written as Bible-believing, disciple-making and soul-winning. Bible-believing, that means we want to be a Christ-centred church and a faith-filled church. It's interesting how much of Christianity is taking place today apart from the Bible, which is a real concern to us. But I'm not talking about anyone else today. We just want to talk about C3, Rockingham and what God has called us to. Bible-believing, it's also people-empowering or what we kind of redefine through the journey is disciple-making because we want it to be authentically Bible-based words. And disciple-making is not anything more than actually allowing ourselves to follow Christ and be taught along the way. So we've got to teach from the Bible when you look at the Great Commission, which we are passionately given to. Well, I'm passionately given to the Great Commission, which is three things. It's going, baptising and teaching. Because some people think church is a cruise liner. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. So if the church is anything, it's a search and rescue vessel, not a cruise liner. If, if you think church is a cruise liner, you get on the cruise liner and you start to evaluate the soft furnishings. You start to evaluate the room, the food, the service. But you know what? If you get lost out in the sea and you're drowning, you get picked up by a search and rescue vessel and they throw you on a cold steel deck, you don't start to complain about the surroundings. You're just thankful that you're saved. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And so you may have come from a church background or perspective where you think church is a cruise line, a set up to keep you comfortable, fed and hydrated. But we all believe we're on a search and rescue vessel and it's our job to maintain the decks. It's our job to stay on alert for the next call. It's our job to be on a search and rescue vessel. So as we look at today, I'm going to try and just make it very clear from our hearts to you on what we are called to do as a church and what our true north might be. want to look at some Scripture. I was shocked this week to, I had a few days off to celebrate uh, our anniversary and uh, I'm driving down the road listening to a local radio station. I won't tell you what it was, otherwise you might judge me. And um, they had this segment on there, I think it's called Tingles Thursday or chills or thrills. Maybe it was thrills Thursday. Anyway, I was tingles, thrills, something like that. 
don't lose me now because this is so powerful. I know some of you think I'm being carnal, but I, this is powerful. Uh, they took the next call. It was a lady that called up and she said, my six-year-old niece woke up one day after a dream and started marking the calendars in her house and every other house she visited by circling the 27th of October on those calendars. For months, everywhere she went, she circled that date. Her mum and other family members became both intrigued and a little irritated by this strange behaviour and asked, why are you circling that date everywhere you go? To which she replied, because it's a very special day. The adults gave it very little attention, putting it down to childhood imagination until the 27th of October came and that little girl died tragically in a freak accident. It kind of wasn't what I was expecting to hear right in the middle of this program. The auntie went to talk on about how impacting it was for everyone. It's interesting because unlike that little girl, the vast majority of us don't know when our special day is. But we can all know the power of today and the purpose that God has given us. It's interesting that Ecclesiastes 7.1 says a good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume and the day you die is better than the day you were born. Which is incredible. It's kind of, when you read that verse in, in the Bible, you kind of go, nah, don't make sense to me. Surely not. And so as we look at the vision that God has given us 20 years ago, to be Bible-believing, when you look at that verse in Ecclesiastes, you realise that the day you die is better than the day you were born because the day you were born was the beginning of your tribulations on earth. And the day you die is the end of your tribulations and the moment that you are received into glory and live in eternal life with victory over everything, where the tears are wiped away, the heartaches wiped away. Come on, where are the believing believers today? Because I'm understanding that there are unbelieving believers today, but we want to be the believing believers. Are you with me? And so to be a Bible-believing church is, is no small commitment. I find keeping our true north in today's modern world is not as easy as it was 20 years ago. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And so He gave us that vision so that we could stay on course. He wanted to set our course and get us to stay on course, to be Bible-believing, Christ-centred and faith-filled, to be disciple-making. It means we are, we are here. If, you, if you're a disciple of Christ, there are basically four responsibilities that come with that, that you would know God, that you would find freedom, because knowing God, coming to Christ and knowing God is the beginning of the journey, but you, we are called to find freedom in Christ. And it doesn't just happen at the click of the fingers because you prayed a prayer and surrendered your life. If you look at salvation in the Old Testament, Egypt, wilderness and promised land, when God took them out of Egypt, He was taking them out of darkness. When He took them through the wilderness, it was their transition in Christ where they were supposed to get darkness out of themselves. 
so that they could go into the promised land where they lived in victory over darkness. He doesn't just want to get you out of darkness, but wants to get darkness out of you so that you can go and live in victory over darkness. The light shines brightest in the darkness. And so when we go into the world, we are carrying a light that others can see. You've got to know God, find freedom, discover purpose. Purpose is just like the most critical individual pursuit of a, of a person's life. And then in discovering that purpose, it's not just to put me in centre stage and make me star of the show, but it's so that I can go and make a difference with my life. And then the final part of that is we are a soul winning people. We are here to bring good news to the world. Having another discussion around the coffee bar this morning outside here and said, you know, what do you think of that statement? No news is good news. And we just debated it forever because for the first time this week when it was mentioned to me, in my mind I just rebuked it, uh, almost cursed it, swore at it and said, no way, that's not true. I don't like that statement anymore. I'm not using the statement no news is good news because the good news is good news. And then we had some people help me understand it in my simple mind that, you know, when you don't hear news about a certain thing, it means that is good news. Okay, I'm still not using it anymore. Good news, the good news is the good news. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says this, He who sins, oh, this is a bit heavy, are you ready? Breathe in, out. He who sins is of the devil. Gosh, if you stop there, you're in trouble. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that He might destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil? As soon as we're in the middle of True North, can I just clarify some things? Because I've been working pretty intentionally in, uh, and in a focused manner for a number of years to ensure that people don't put me on a pedestal. I get called a lot of positive things around here. I um, just don't hear the negative stuff, but some of the positive stuff can put Pastor Claude, PC, whatever, up on a pedestal called Man of God, up on a pedestal called Visionary, up on a pedestal called this or that. But here's the reality. If you are here following me, you are in trouble. You should be here following me as I follow Christ, but ultimately your eyes need to be on Christ. And I'm not setting you up for a letdown or anything like that, but so many places we go, even in the Christian world today, it seems people get fixated on the individual who is simply a servant of Christ instead of the Son of God. Can I ask you please, congregation, lift up your eyes beyond the natural and get them on the supernatural, the Son of God, because we are here in this true north moment with our eyes on Jesus to lift up Jesus so that He can draw all men unto Him. Having said that, for the last 23 years, I've had the privilege of leading this congregation. I've always done my best to do my best. But it's only when you get to look back that you get 2020 vision and you go, hmm, could have done that differently. Oh, wish I didn't do it like that. And that's the journey we are on. Aren't you thankful for mercy? Aren't you thankful for grace? Aren't you thankful for good people? 
Look to the left, you'll find a good person. Look to the right, you're not going to find any good. But no, no, jokes, 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 <laughs> jokes. It was left and right, you've got good people. Mark 1.38, Jesus said to them, let us, let us go into the next towns. So, you know, if you, if you use a Bible app or you use your Bible this morning, there's some words you should highlight, there's some words you should mark. In fact, I skipped a scripture in Luke, 10, uh, Luke 19 verse 10 where it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Do you remember what it was like when you were lost? Because I think the moment you forget that as a follower of Christ, you become all sorts of things, including a religious nutcase. Jesus came to seek and save those who are lost. But in Mark, 38, verse, uh, Mark 1, 38, it says, let us go into the next towns. Jesus is on a evangelistic tour and people are getting caught up in the moment. They're all looking for the man of God. They're all looking for the prophet. They want to bring him to their house for food. They want to have a celebration. They want to have a citywide event. They want to do a whole bunch of things. But Jesus said, no, let's get on to the next town that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. So he went throughout the region of Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus stayed true to his purpose and we need to do the same. I love looking at a snapshot in the Old Testament on salvation and it's the time where there's this king in the land called Pharaoh and he's held the people of God captive, which is, is like the enemy in our world today, holding people of God captive. At this point in history, God's people are slaves. They're, they're bound to work day and night just to put enough food on the table and they're going without and God's setting, up, setting them up to be set free. We pick it up in chapter 9 of Exodus and verse 3. And God says to Moses, get up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so they can worship me. Actually, God wants you to experience complete freedom so that you can worship. Mm, that went down well. Uh, if you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people. Then you will know that there is no one like me in all the earth. By now I could have lifted up my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. I just like, don't you love how God talks? Kind of reminder, Pharaoh, I could have already wiped you out, but I haven't. Reminder, Pharaoh, you may think you're God, you're not. I am and I could just take you out right now. But verse 16 is interesting. But I have spared you for a purpose. I haven't wiped you out. You look like an enemy of God. You look like a tool of wickedness, but I haven't wiped you out for this purpose, to show my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. It's amazing and I think this has context for us today. God used plagues to set His people free. 
not just one or two of them, but 10 plagues. 10 is the number of testing and completion. The plagues cause the entire nation to experience pain. God uses pain to showcase His power. When you can find purpose in pain, you won't get sidetracked with pleasure to try and numb your pain. Actually, as humans, when pain comes into our, the pain of an economic downturn, the pain of a journey through sickness back into divine health, the pain of a relationship, the pain of anything, when pain comes into our world, we either find purpose in it or we seek pleasure to numb the pain. Are you with me, somebody? Can I encourage you that when pain comes into your life, when pain comes into your world, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, understand that you've got to find purpose in the pain because when you find the purpose, you'll connect with the power and you'll move into the next phase of your life stronger than ever before. God wanted His people to be free to worship. As there you understand, you know, I have two um, kind of hobbies, interests outside of the gospel and building churches. I have two, and one of them is health and fitness and studying elite sportsmen just to download my brain in that area. And then I also like to just know what's going on in the business world and try and stay up to date with business thinking. And, and it's, it's interesting how sometimes the church is so far behind the times because we got stuck in a bubble, not you, but some. And it was interesting to hear some psychologist reports this week how the, he was talking about how often Christians struggle more handling pain than non-Christians do. And they struggle because they think becoming a Christian means they get kind of removed from any kind of experience of pain, forgetting that Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but do not fear because I have overcome the world. They forget that part of the Gospel that was ministered by Christ Himself and therefore don't know how to journey through the, the pain thing. But also in the area of wealth, how the secular world today is teaching strongly by those who are doing it authentically, that wealth is not measured by money. Wealth is measured by time. And then they connect it to the values of life, not the priorities of life. There's a big difference between priorities and values. They connect it to the values of life, of relationship and loving others and helping others. You see, priorities change from day to day, but values stay the same forever. And here God is saying to people, to Pharaoh, let my people go so they can come and worship. What does that mean? So they can have the time they need to worship. Let me put it to you another way. If, if prospering in God means that you don't have enough time for the things you value, maybe it's not prosperity. And so as we commit to this True North journey, God is calling us to understand His purposes in a very real way. What will the church look like beyond 2020? What will it look like in five years' time? What will it look like in 2030 or 35? And I know there's a bunch of people in this moment that would like to stand up in our world and give us a clear glimpse of the future of what it looks like, but the reality is no one can know. If we wound the clock back 12 years ago and replayed the messages from our prophets, our visionaries and everybody else, and then brought it into today, we'd go, you did see through a mirror dimly, didn't you? We know in part, not in whole. 
But the great thing about all of that is this. We may know, we may not know what the future looks like, but we can know who we are and who we are always supposed to be. And those of you that joined us at our um, True North dinner last Sunday night as we launched this series, we, we looked at those three things. And this is who we are today. And this is who we should be and shall be if we make a commitment to it in the future, regardless of what church looks like. You know, could you imagine that possibly in the future, possibly, I hope not, but possibly in the future, going to church on a Sunday means setting aside time to go into that virtual reality room in your home where we gather as a congregation, as a virtual reality congregation and do church that way. I mean, like, it makes me want to vomit to think that that could be a reality. But maybe in some parts of the world, because of threats and situations, that's how it will be. There's a whole community today of believers that only meet online and I don't get that. I don't think that you could be authentically a follower of Christ in that zone, but maybe because of their unique context, it's okay. I was thinking this morning when we were taking communion, I took that wafer and it went on the top of my lid of my mouth and it got stuck there. Did anyone else get that? And it just took me back to the beginning of my journey when I was in a more traditional form of Christianity and it gets stuck there and they didn't give you the juice in that church. It just got stuck there till the end of the service and you just kept rubbing your tongue on your mouth and it went. And I took the juice and I went, oh, thank you, Jesus, for your blood, but also for a good mouthwash for the top of my... <laughs> Here's three things we are now and we will be in the future. We are ambassadors of Christ. And we should never forget the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. That means at work, that means at the shopping centre, that means on the basketball court, that means in the gym. It means wherever we go, we are ambassadors of Christ and we are representing Him as individual followers of Christ. I'm sorry, it's not just up to the pastor, it's not just up to the, lay, uh, the, the, the leader in church. We are all ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. And as ambassadors, God has called us to carry a message, not an opinion. He's called us to carry a message of the gospel, not a message of judgment. We are here to carry the love of God to other people, to carry a message of Christ to the world, the Bible says. The second thing, we are partners with Christ. Romans 12 and verse five, four and five, I love this. Is it okay to do Bible study? Is it okay to do so much scripture? In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. Well, most of them still work. And so it is in the body of Christ, for though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. I find that portion of Scripture incredibly powerful because it puts us all on the same page. You should turn to your neighbour now and say, I need you. And, and say to him again, but don't let that run to your head because you need me too. <laughs> As an ambassador of Christ, could I encourage you to pray in this month of True North 
and ask God to use you, to use you to reconcile someone to God? Have you ever thought about the fact that you're called to do that in your lifetime? Have you ever thought about the fact that if Christianity meant being called, if being called an authentic follower of Christ was illegal, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Because from a Bible point of view, a disciple maker makes disciples, brings others to Christ, whether that's one or two a year, whether that's one or two in your lifetime, the ultimate outcome of a Christ follower is to lead others into the Kingdom of God. Could I ask you in the month ahead to pray that God will use you in this year ahead to reconcile someone to God? I'm getting messages on the front row this morning from someone we've met in church who we've invited to our house because we've got this sole purpose of reaching out to them with the love of God and they're texting me to see what to bring on Friday night when they come to our home. And I'm thinking, I can't, no, I've got to reply to this now because I'm trying to reach someone with the good news. As an ambassador of Christ, would you pray in that way? As a partner with Christ. Because Hebrews 3.1 says, Dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. Could I ask you to pray about how God would cause you, call you to partner with the ministry, with the work of God here at Rockingham? I'm, I'm praying for the day that clergy and congregation unite in the work of the ministry. I'm praying for the day that pastors and parishioners are partnering together truly in the Gospel. I'm praying for the day where leaders and lay people are discipling the nations of the earth, that we're not relying on some quick fix system and some program, but there is this culture flowing out of us that simply leads others to Christ, that we go to them, that we see them baptised. To baptise means to immerse, that, that when we come in on a Sunday morning, we're carrying the message and the attitude of Christ because we all want to do our part to create a baptism of church where people get saturated in the culture of God. And then finally, it says we are stewards. Stewards of the things God's given us. Corinthians says clearly, if you've been given stewardship, you've been put in charge. Verse one of chapter four of Corinthians says, look at Apollos and me as mere servants. Look at Carolyn and I as mere servants. Look at Chris and Ray as mere servants. Look at Atsim as mere servants who've been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Have you ever looked at the mindset of a steward in the, in the Scriptures? Can I quickly run through it? Have we made you too hot in here or is it just me putting you to sleep? Can, I, can we look at the mindset of a steward? When it comes to our lives, when it comes to that breath that you just took, took, took right there, when it comes to the money in your bank account, when it comes to the time that you have, when it, when it comes to your motor vehicle sitting in the parking lot, when it comes to your house at home, you must, as a Christ follower, get to a place where you develop a stewardship mindset. If you can't develop a stewardship mindset, the, the baseline is a Samaritan mindset. 
just a quick reminder, I've taught this before, I'm sure. But number one, often people carry this mindset, which is not the mindset of a steward. It's either the mindset of a capitalist, a thief or a toddler. A capitalist, a thief and a toddler have this mindset. What is yours is mine and I'm going to take it. The mindset of a selfish person is what is mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. The mindset of a Samaritan, baseline for us who are following Christ, what is mine is yours and I'm going to give it. But the mindset of a steward, what is mine is not mine. I'm going to manage it. Which is a powerful thought, don't you think? It's the greatest mindset of all. In Psalms 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. I told you that staying true to this gospel and being a Bible-believing church it's not, a, it's not an easy thing. It's not easy to be a follower of Christ. People say, oh, you're, you're one of those born-againers. Well, they say lots of things. You're one of those crazy Christians. That's your crutch. I like my wife's response. She goes, no, he's not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. <laughs> I ain't just leaning on him. He is carrying me through every single situation. I, uh, don't, don't misunderstand the picture here. He's not my crutch. He is everything I need. I'm going nowhere without him. He is my wheelchair. I listen to that response and I go, mm. that kind of just diffuses everything, doesn't it? Can I encourage you as we pursue the true north that God has given us that you remain on the journey of growth as an ambassador of Christ, as a partner in the ministry, but as a steward also of all the things that God has given to you. Because as we end this month, I think it's the last Sunday of August is the 25th. And as we do that, we're coming into a place where we're going to receive our normal Vision Builders special offering for the year ahead. And some people choose to do that as a one-off gift. Some people choose to do that as a commitment on a regular basis. We're going to do that. I think you have some cards around about you that I'd encourage you to take home at this point in time and just look at and pray over and talk about with your significant others. But on the end of this month, the last Sunday, we're going to come together with that special time where we commit to the year ahead so that we can continue to be a church that goes. We want to be a church that goes. We want to go to our neighbours and we want to go to the nation's. We want to keep going there. As pressures and distractions have come around us over the last year or so, we've been less about going and more about coming. Listen, we're not, Christianity is not supposed to be about coming to church. It's about going to the world. And it doesn't mean you, you shouldn't come to church. You should. We, we're supposed to gather together. It's kind of an obvious statement from a pastor, I guess. He's always going to tell you you should come to church. But it's not about putting bottoms on seats. 
the strength of our church is not in our seating capacity, it's in our sending capacity. And we, but we, got, we can't forget we're called to go to the neighbour across the street, the neighbour who works in the cubicle alongside us, the neighbour that we see at the cafe every week, but we're also called to go to the nations and we want to keep going. Carol and I have made a stronger commitment than like ever, never before to go to the nations with the Gospel. Would you release us to go? If you don't, you're just going to have to do without us. <laughs> We've got to be a church that goes. Everyone can go to their neighbour, but some need to go to the nations. We need to baptise people. We need to immerse those that believe into the life of Christ. This church needs to be a baptismal of Christ's presence as the team comes to join me. It needs to be a baptism, a baptismal of His presence, of His power and of His purpose. We need to be a people of purpose. Can I talk to you about holiness and sanctification as a land? I, I believe with all of my heart, God has called us to be holy because He made us holy when we came to Christ. And the outworking of holiness is difficult. But the reality of your identity in Christ as a holy person is not difficult at all. It is the gospel of salvation. In church life, we are often made to feel guilty about our everyday life. I am here to release the tension of that guilt that has been put on you by some religious mindset that's entered in for whatever reason. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, can I read this verse to you? This gospel of salvation unveils a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us when we believe. Stop there. You received the perfect righteousness of God when you believed in Christ. You are not your thoughts. You are not your actions. You are who God said you are. I love that it doesn't stay there. It says, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. This is what the Scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. Could you close your eyes for a moment? Father, I want to thank You right now that we received Your perfect righteousness when we believed. God, on a daily basis, we get to walk out that righteousness by the life-giving faith that You gave us. Father, for those amongst us this morning that feel like they've lost their sense of righteousness by their actions, God, we're not here to make excuses for loose living. We're not here to make excuses for carnality. But God, we're here to be reminded of the truth so that we can live out of it. You said we'd know the truth and that truth would make us free. God, we're thankful for the blood of Jesus. We thank You for what Jesus did. God, believing in Christ, we believe that Jesus paid the penalty of our sins, breaking the power of sin so that we could stop the practice of sin and receive the promises of salvation. So Father, today, we allow our hearts and minds to be reminded of the truth. God, we would call this an experience with the washing of Your Word. God, as we make a commitment into the future as a church, 
to the heavenly vision of being Bible-believing, disciple-making and soul-winning. God, I'd ask for you to help every one of us keep our eyes on Jesus in the day-to-day, in the gathering together, in the working through the mundane, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you. Father, you said if we, we would lift Jesus up, you would draw all men. So God, help us to lift up Christ in our workplace, in our relationships, in all that we do. Amen. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.